0: Shishkin Productions podcast.
1: What's up everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Ask Not Me Anything podcast. And today I sat down with my friend Carlos and we had a heavy, candid conversation about how he overcame substance abuse to become an art director at Media Arts Lab. And he's worked on campaigns for Apple and makes incredible art. And we've known each other since we were kids. We grew up across the street from each other. It's a great conversation and I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's jump right in. This is a small podcast, so I want to use this space to shout out some local businesses. Today, we've got Wandering Barman. They make pre-bottled cocktails and they're all handcrafted, convenient, and better than anything you could make at home. My favorite is their Margarita La Nina. You can find Wandering Barman in your favorite bar, restaurant, or liquor store. And if they don't carry it already, maybe ask them to stock up. That'd be cool. You can find them at wanderingbarman.com.
0: What's up, everyone? I'm Lanny. And I'm Alexi. And we're bringing you Rounds Rounds of Sound. Sound. Each week, we share three songs, both old and new, with each other and with you. You'll hear some stuff you've never heard before, and you might just discover your new favorite artist. Dope and direct, absolutely correct. Find us exclusively on Spotify. Rounds of Sound. Every Thursday. Every Thursday. Thursday.
1: First question is coming in from Vivian Carolina. How did he become an art director and what else did he do with this
0: career? Um, interesting question. The answer, the short answer is by accident. Um, my career started out in a completely different way. I actually started as an industrial designer which That's I what did you studied for- at
1: school, right? Hmm? That's what you studied at school, right?
0: Yeah, I studied industrial design at SCAD. I graduated with that degree and I started my career out as an industrial designer for probably like the first four to five years. Um, and then I went freelance and kind of was like willing to do whatever I could um, just for money and just I wanted to see what my skills bought me. Um, I guess like outside, outside, just like, uh, industrial design and engineering. And then, you know, through transitively, I ended up working for individuals and musicians and stuff and like stuff related to the internet. And then somehow ended up as an art director. Cool. Yeah. And I I checked a couple of
1: questions and we're definitely going to get into that, some of that other stuff. So the next, the next question is coming in from K underscore. Am I rickety? What okay. is the opposite of pillow? What's the opposite of a pillow? That's I'm not even sure how to answer that. Wood. Wood. Cool. Any uh, further explanation? No. Okay. <laughs> it's self-explanatory. <laughs> opposite of a pillow is wood. On to the next question from Liz Levitch. Who or what has been your biggest source of inspiration?
0: That's a, that's a lot. Um, so I think that I like kind of outgrew the like hero mentality, um, pretty quickly just from like being around like a lot of different, like niche cultural, like groups. And you just understanding that like no one's perfect and everyone's human. Like it ended up being like this thing where the people that inspire me the most are like really the people closest to me. Um, one man in particular, who actually like contributed to helping me get sober, is probably like the most inspirational person that, that like led me to, um, i taking ownership of my life. Um, and that I think permeates like every area of my life, including like my career and like what I seek to achieve through art. Um, and then additionally, like my father, um, my father passed away like eight years ago now. And it, it's so interesting because like growing up, Um, And you were there. Um, There was like a large sense of like, I want to be the opposite of my father. And then at some point you like grow up and like something shifts. And now you're like, I just want to be exactly like my father. Um, But his work ethic and kind of like how he took care of his people and like how he like placed a priority on certain things and like his and our lives like really, really affect me to this day. And I'd say that like it drives a lot of my decision-making and kind of like my moral compass, um, up until this point. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. I still remember, um, eight years ago when your father passed away, I remember you showing that sharing that photo of him in your driveway when it was snowing. And can, can you expand on that a little bit more that moment?
0: Um, yeah. So, for everyone that doesn't know my father passed away suddenly in the driveway um plowing snow um in Pennsylvania um that moment was like probably the most influential moment of my life like and I think we'll get into like more of the like the substance abuse stuff but like at that point I was like not chill like that was not a chill point in my life in any any regard and like it was pretty sudden like uh I was living at Santa Barbara at the time and my older brother actually like drove up to my house without telling me and like kind of cornered me in the back room and kind of, and broke the news to me. But that picture, um, that picture in that moment, like there's that spot where like, he actually like passed away. It's, it's just really interesting. But yeah, that, that moment and that trauma, cause like, I, I'm not one to like use the word trauma very lightly, but that's what it was. It was like traumatic for me. Um, kind of it, like drove me to like, do really messed up things to myself and drove me to actually like get better and it it continues to drive me to this day as far as like curating a relationship with a person who is no longer here is like a lot of effort um I'd say like grief in general is like constantly kind of like m- moving it's a moving force, and like having a hold on it is like a very fleeting effort that you continuously need to practice, wow, oh,
1: yeah. The next question is coming in from photo, How you need to work as an art director for a brand, like you start photography or videography or what? And by the way, these questions are a little all over the place. We're gonna talk a lot about sobriety and a lot about your career and a lot about.
0: I'm a little all over the place too, so I can. (laughs) I'm versatile. Um, Perfect. It doesn't start with anything like photo or film. In my opinion, it starts with an idea. Um, I, I tell a lot of people, like, my job is to come up with ideas. Um, and like, that's, I think where the actual, like the bones of what I do is, You're ideas, the Matt. meat, the meat. So if you have the bones and then the meat surrounding it, um, the bone is like the idea, And, and, and an idea can take form in so many different ways. Like it doesn't have to be photo or film. It doesn't have to be like short form or long form. It doesn't have to be like art even it's just like a a lot of my ideas are even just like strategic thoughts, but, um, that's kind of where it starts. And then the meat for me is like execution. So whether I'm executing that in photo or film or, you know, a presentation or, you know, Uh, a a social media post like that that's where that comes into play but I think like whether something lives or dies or like you know has some has some substance is all like based in like how did you come up with it and why are you doing it the who what and why okay can you
1: think of a better analogy for people who want to work as an art director that are also happen to be vegetarian Mm. You, as opposed to like not meat and bones is there like can we do like yeah so
0: like uh um beyond meat and <laughs> the and and beyond bones i don't know yeah that okay. i guess i guess i would say the, that beyond meat and a tomato the core of the earth and the mantle <laughs> <laughs> okay
1: cool yeah I can I could, I could see the similarity. And the next question is similar to this previous question. It's from Jake C JPEG advice for a 20 something year old hoping to work in the artistic side of
0: advertising. Um, be a good person and every, everything you do should, how do I say this? Um, it's almost like every job is about the next job. So like, you know, someone like me, I have like a pretty diverse, like background. Um, I'm not like beholden to working in like one industry um, at all. And I'm not um, necessarily like trapped, you know, I'd say into like doing one thing, but the way I kind of like filter things and opportunities that come my way is like, will this add value to getting me to where I want to be next? Um, I'll never forget, I when I first moved to L.A. nine years ago, there was a job offer that came through and it was like $55,000 a year, which was like more money than I could ever conceive at that point, you know. Um, and it was to use my industrial design skills to like create these like 3D billboards that like pop out of the billboard and like, you know, for action movies and stuff like that. And I remember like that, that's wanting so to LA. take it. And I, and, you know, I got a lot of like advice from my brother at that point. And that's something that my brother passed down to me it was like, every job is about the next job. Like if you took this job, like where would it lead you? Probably somewhere that doesn't mean anything or somewhere that I didn't like really, really like. So I ended up not taking that job and I ended up taking um another internship, like right out of college all the way in Boston where I didn't get paid like nearly as much. But it was a way better opportunity for you. Yeah, yeah, that that was way better off. That decision kind of like set the course for like my entire career. And it also established like a really, really strong precedent within myself to like think before I act. Cause like, which I definitely failed at later in life and had to like refine. But, um, yeah, just being like strategic about like where you want to go is like, um, is it probably like my biggest piece of advice. There's obviously a lot of advice I could give, but that that is the one thing okay, cool. um, that I always remind myself.
1: Well, I think JPEG
0: will be satisfied with that answer. I hope so. I thought it was a good answer. I hope so
1: too. Next question's from Bex, B-E-X-S-S. Bex, what were some key signs that your addiction was taking over your life?
0: Uh. Okay, so how do I answer that? Because there's, like, a denial period, um, which is, like, pretty pre- prevalent in, yeah, like, Are most there, are, are there
1: if I, thinking, is there five steps to this process? Like, denial is the first
0: step, or? There's something like that. I don't yeah. know what the actual steps are. There's, like, okay. stages of grief, and right. there's stages of, you know, addiction and stuff like that. But, I mean, when I finally, like, understood it, um, I'll put it this way, like, I went to rehab my first time in 2014 uh, and I stayed there for quite some time. And um, I left that rehab and I like tried to reenter society. And at that point, you know, I was like, I can try and do this again. Like I can manage this. Like, let me just go and try and smoke weed and drink like a normal person. Like I really want to like. I want to have these like fun moments that I I had in in my early like college days and stuff. And that was like really the only instance that I ever tried to manage my addiction. As soon as I went back to rehab again, after that, I kind of knew like I wasn't like a normal like person where that like could like handle just like casual drinking and stuff. Um, Some key signs were like my life was falling apart Um, had no money, you know, like my place was constantly dirty. I'm placing more of an importance on kind of, uh, trivial things and people rather than like having a fridge full of food. So I don't go hungry, you know? Um, and you get caught up in a lot of like drama, like drama is like, I'm allergic to it now because a key characteristic of like that lifestyle is just like drama always happening around you. Interesting.
1: Next question is from Eon underscore McGuire 15. Was there a defining factor or moment that caused
0: you to really work towards your sobriety? Yeah, there was. Um, and it's really interesting uh, for me, at least. I don't know if everyone will find this interesting. Um, so my final like attempt at sobriety was, not, was a little bit untraditional. I went to an institution that pretty much like saved my life. Um, it was a lot, a lot of work, um, like a lot of like introspective examination, a lot of like accepting help from like peers who were also addicts and a lot of like accepting help from people who had long-term sobriety, which is like pretty much allergic. Like it's pretty much like I'm allergic to taking advice from anyone, you know, for the most, for the most part. Um, but there was a moment where this guy, Todd, i w I'll he'll remain anonymous, but he I had very long hair in my like fashion sense at that point was like pretty whack. And I remember he would just like yell at me. Actually, everyone yelled at me one night for hours, telling me to cut my hair. Um, and that I was like constantly depressed and I was dragging my feet everywhere I went.
1: And this I was, didn't really, really want to hear head. it. This was in your um, head. And I
0: remember after that like little you know, group therapy session or whatever you want to call it. I went into the bathroom to like catch a beat. And I looked in the mirror and I actually had this like, kind of like vision and moment. And at this point I hadn't seen my family for like quite some time, at least a year, maybe two or or three at the, that point. Um, wow. And th- I was finally going to see them. Uh, and I get to go to dinner with them for the first time in a while. And I just had this like kind of flash vision of me walking down the street with them in downtown Culver city, which is like a really nice area of LA. And I imagine my dad was there too. And I just had this like moment where I imagined myself in my mom's shoes and my brother's shoes and my father's shoes. And like giving the way I looked at myself in the mirror, I imagined that if I was any one of my family members, I would literally be embarrassed to walk next to me because of the way I looked, because of the way I carried myself, because of the clothes that I was wearing, because of like my sense of integrity and like both because of like how I might talk to like someone on the street, um, how much I think of myself, you know? And I had like this really, really strong feeling of like secondhand embarrassment. Um, And that night I shaved my head and every single everything has been different since that moment because I was willing to take a look at myself in a light that, that was more accurate. The reality was I was like, not a good person. I was not cool to be around. I was embarrassing to be around and I was an overall unpleasant. Um, and that was the first moment that I was willing to recognize that.
1: Wow. And was that the, was that the moment you became sober?
0: No, I had been sober for quite some time already, probably like a month or two at that point, maybe three So sobriety is not the absence of, and in my opinion, I don't want to like, I'm sure people have their own opinions. Uh, but for me, sobriety is not like the absence of like taking drugs or, or drinking alcohol. Interesting. For me, sobriety is like a personality shift, um, a personality shift and an emphasis on like, um, truth, I think, um, That's the best way I could put it. And I had like the beginnings of a personality shift at that moment. Um, And then the following months after that was like me curating me and a lot of other people helping me curating that personality shift. So I could sustain myself and like re-enter society as someone who like didn't rely on people or wasn't helpless. Right. Can I just say this is just
1: really interesting to hear because, you know, we've known each other since we were babies and um well how we, was we, it we've i gone, mean you we, you ha-
0: i mean we have gone through periods of like not talking for years and then talking yeah. all the time like was there any observation from your end where like you kind of noticed things
1: yeah i mean from my end i never really i we just lived very different lives and we we're living across the country as well as like had different totally different friend groups um yeah. I mean, I've just, yeah, we, we keep in touch sometimes, but very rarely. I just remember like you always like changed your number. So like whenever I would text you, it would be like a new number and, yeah. uh, which you must've changed your number like 10 times anyways. Um, yeah.
0: I just changed it recently again. Yeah,
1: I just, I just never really knew how, what exactly you were going through to be honest. Cause we never really talked about it. I just knew you were in rehab at some points and then out of rehab. And then I hear you our moms are close, so I hear you're doing better. And then, you know, we chat, but we'll just like, we never really go into this stuff. So, um, and I never know if
0: it's like polite to really like talk about it, especially since, yeah. It's an interesting thing how like almost like the people you're closest with that know you the best, you almost want to hide stuff from them the most because I don't care about like meeting someone on the street. I'll tell them like my, I'll show them all the skeletons in my closet because like, I don't, am I allowed to curse?
1: Yeah. Go for it, dude.
0: Uh, Cause I don't give a fuck what they think about me, but someone like you who I grew up with and like has like proximity, family proximity and stuff like your opinion carries weight within my like soul, you know? So of course I was going to be distant.
1: Right. Yeah. We're definitely uh yeah. will we'll always be, it's, it, it's funny how you explain that. Cause we'll always be like brothers almost. And um, yet we don't know, like our, we won't talk about this stuff. So like, I'm glad we're even just doing this podcast right now and opening Yeah, a
0: hundred percent. I'm stoked. And we've been talking as just so everyone knows we've been talking Yeah, like a lot lately. Um, so super glad to like, have you more integrated into like my, I guess, top 20 text message recipients. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Whenever I'm in LA before
1: covid we always chill and vice versa so yeah i'm glad we're we're tight going into the next question is from sizzle real gang when we all do stupid things when we're kids what's the dumbest thing you and germ got into as kids also i gotta say but while, while you think about this while you think about this answer i gotta say carlos is the one that gave me the nickname germ the worm also germ because he called me germ the worm and I'm thinking of this now. You're, you're the guy who started that. I so a remember lot, that. So a crazy. lot of people called me Worm. A lot of people called me Germ. Some people call me Germ the Worm. My screen name ended up being Germ the Worm. That was my original Instagram name was Germ the Worm 5. Uh,
0: yeah. So That's thanks, cool. for, thanks for
1: uh, coining me my nickname.
0: I don't know the stupidest thing we've done together. You know what? I'm going to actually implicate you in this because oh. I don't want to take full responsibility. Okay. Um, but the stupidest thing we might've done together was getting those little pricky prickly things stuck in your sister's hair. I will <laughs> never, ever forget that moment.
1: My dad got so mad at you. My dad was, was so pissed. Terrified. Yeah. Because my dad yelled mad. at you, right? what was was your dad for sure it it was was, everyone it was all of our but you
0: were you were terrified because my dad yelled at you just of just everything like because i thought like it was permanent like yeah i when i was young i was like i don't think like she's going to be able to get these prickly things out of her hair what did what have i done
1: yeah i mean looking back that's so funny um the, the answer that comes to mind for me what is the stupidest it's not necessarily stupid it's just like my first memory that's like Somewhat stupid, not really. Uh, but I I remember when I was like fourteen or fifteen or something. I came to your driveway late at night on a school night, and you know, you just came out and you brought a bong. Oh yeah, <laughs> and that, that was the first grand. time. That was the first time I smoked weed. Was I took a huge bong rip, and then after that bong rip, you went to your fridge, which was or freezer, which was in your garage, which was outside there. Yeah. And you brought out rum raisin ice cream. So, and then I considered that getting, <laughs> I considered that getting drunk. So I thought I was smoking and drinking and I was like, I, I must've been what like 13 is. or 14. And like, I thought that I had some bites of that ice cream and I, I legit thought I was drunk from rum raisin ice cream. So,
0: so. Yeah. That checks out. I had a large bond collection. I definitely like to show all the, all the kids, um, in the neighborhood. So yeah, checks out. Sorry. <laughs> I got you blazed.
1: No, not at all. I need, it needed to happen at some point. So I'm glad it was with you. <laughs> uh, the next question is coming in from CS snow run. What NBA oh, player are you? Am I? Yeah.
0: If you Alan were an NBA, Iverson. I knew you were going to answer that. I and, mean, if I'm being honest, who do I want to be? Yeah. Alan Iverson, if I'm being yeah. honest, if I like make an analogy of like, okay, me on a creative team, who am I? Right, Brad like Calvert, Eric, Eric Snow. I'm the point no. guard. That's how I see myself. You know, nah. like integral team, give yourself captain some more credit type, type stuff. I don't really need to shine that much or hit like the long three um, or anything. I actually know who asked that, asked that question. That's Colin, He's a coworker of mine. He <laughs> he hits the long three. Okay, cool. Often. So so he would be Ray Allen. He would be like Durant okay wow
1: that's a that's a high praise right there
0: um yeah. everyone I, I, knows him at the court it's just like everyone wants him on on the team okay cool so. well shout out to colin
1: uh yeah. I, I knew you were gonna answer that because me you francis the three kids that grew up in our neighborhood we were all hardcore alan iverson fans this was in like yeah. late, late 90s early 2000s i remember coming over to your house and play playing sega dreamcast and playing with the Sixers, Eric Snow,
0: Aaron McKee, Dikembe Matumbo, Allen Iverson, Derek. Tyrone Cole. Hill. Don't forget Tyrone, Hill. Tyrone um, Hill. That was an epic time. And yeah, I think Allen Iverson pretty much like influenced like so much. Like, look at me, dude. I have so many tattoos and it's all because of like, I saw Allen Iverson's no tattoos and Is I it? was like, he That's looks so cool. Int-
1: that's interesting yeah we we have some tattoo questions so we'll get into okay. that but uh i didn't i didn't know that about your tattoos your tattoos are heavily influenced from alan iverson i mean he inf- influenced i mean he's the first
0: one who like got tattoos and then like publicly and, and then like, and then, like yeah, yeah. didn't give a fuck about what anyone thought and i was the like answer, well that's what i want to be like and yeah. then you hear like all different crazy stories like he buys an outfit a new outfit in every city he goes to and i was like right, i want right, to be right. that rich and yeah, um, yeah. He had so yeah. much influence,
1: and now look at the NBA today. Everyone's tatted. It's like rare if you're not tatted and you're an NBA player. Yeah.
0: So I'd say that in general, he really did that. Um, yeah, yeah. He's a
1: very influential player. Also, us being short guys, you know, you got to love the short guy in the NBA. You got to root for him. Anyways, okay. so we could do a whole podcast on Allen Iverson and how incredible he is. But yeah, we'll say we'll save that for the after pod. Okay. The next question is from Ana underscore Iv did you go through any healing process slash treatments to over overcome substance abuse? I think we touched upon it a little bit, but so you went to rehab a couple times.
0: I went to rehab 14 times. That's a lot of times. That's a lot lot Um, of times, bro. I failed 13 times. Um, I went treatment like therapy is, was integral to in my whole process, whether I like sustained it or not, like, like the interesting thing to know about like substance abuse and trying to like overcome it. It's not a battle won overnight. It's more of like a, a journey into like understanding yourself and understanding how you fit into the world and like harnessing, like a sense of humility that like connects to, society and like being a brother amongst the brothers or being a worker amongst workers and like being a good like family member. It's like, it is so much more than like, I'm going to go to the doctor or a psychologist or psychiatrist and, and like get a fix. Um, but I did receive treatment from a psychiatrist and, and a therapist, like all throughout, like even into my like late sobriety. Um, but for me, like those were all extras that like helped, um, I went to a a sober living facility that was like and and I'd been to a lot, but the one I went to at the very end was was like integral to or to to my recovery because their approach was so so different and um that place is called ethos um ethos recovery in Culver City Oh cool, yeah, I think I saw someone ask a question
1: about ethos uh specifically, but I thought they were referring to ethereum and i was a little confused oh,
0: that's that's really funny
1: questions coming in from mayula99 how can i be a good friend to someone who struggles with addiction mm this is
0: something i'm short, really curious curious about too the short like, answer you- is like that's that's a tough question because like there's so many like if someone's like really bad, then like, you need to like, not co-sign them and their behavior. Like you need to like, I mean, I'm a, I'm pretty strict on this whole topic of like recovery and addiction. So sorry if like my opinions are pretty strong, but like, I'm in the camp of like cut them off. Um, cause that's what worked for me. And I'm not saying that that's what works for everyone, but I can only speak from my own experience. Like, Shit didn't get serious until like people started cutting me off. I don't know if you ever met my like best friend from high school, Kirsten,
1: but I I I remember there was like one morning
0: where I was again, like in a really bad spot. And she told me, she was just like, dude, if you don't get your shit together, like I'm no longer going to be friends with you. And it were like moments like that. When you hear it from people that like are close to you or that you care about where you really get the clear picture and it doesn't matter if like your intentions were like, good and you didn't mean to, and I'm sorry, I'm sick and all that stuff. It's like when the rubber meets the road, like you're fucked up and like you need to stop. And if you're not going to stop, like, I'm not going to be around to like watch you do this because you can't stop anyone from like ruining their own life. You know, I can't give you the will to like go through a really hard battle, you know, but I'm also not going to sit here while you don't try or don't put any effort, effort into bettering like yourself and your life.
1: Absolutely. It's a two-way street in a lot of ways. And so mm-hmm. when she said that to you, uh, Kristen, what's her last name again? Kirsten. Kirsten. Dwyer. Dwyer. That's right. I've never met her, but I've heard you say her name so many times. You went to prom with her, right? I did not. Okay. Well, never mind.
0: We did. Uh, we, I thought you went to prom yeah, as friends. Yeah.
1: I won't get okay. into that. Okay. Yeah. We go to prom. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, anyway. So when she said that it struck you and that was like another pivotal moment in your journey, would you say?
0: Yeah. It was just yeah. like a moment that kind of like always stuck with me just the way she said it. Like, yeah. there are like a couple different moments throughout my sobriety where like I vividly remember or sobriety and addiction. But I vividly remember like what it felt like, what the time of time of day was, like wow. what the vibe was and stuff. And like that one particular moment was like really gnarly okay, uh, so, when she said that to me.
1: So these close friends where you had these instances, for example, this one uh are you still friends with all these people today or did some because now, now that you've been sober for four and a half years now um yeah. have you been able to like become friends with people you're once really close
0: to or is that just yeah i mean kirsten and i have stayed close the entire pro like time um of of me struggling and yeah. getting better um i talked to her probably like once a week but yeah oh, wow. like for the most part by and large like Uh, I'm friends with like pretty much everyone, um, minus a lot of people that are still like out there really hitting, hitting the stuff hard and not really doing well. Um, cause I can't, like, I didn't get sober to keep that, that type of energy in my life. Um, and like the reality is like a lot of my close friends are dead. Um, so we, you know, I can't be close friends with them. They're not here anymore. So yeah, that's just a reality of addiction. Yeah. That's something I never really talked to you about too much
1: either. I I was aware just like surface level that you had a couple of close friends
0: pass away and yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, I don't know if like I have maladaptive coping mechanisms at this point, just from like being institutionalized because like you go through enough like treatment and it's, it's just like common vernacular, like, Oh, so-and-so is dead. And you're like, cool. Right. I knew that already. You kind of become Um, numb to it or like, yeah, it was like, it was bound to happen sometime, you know, like the last time something like that really happened, I was like, thank God for her family. And, you know, like, you know, so she doesn't have to keep suffering, but yeah, a lot of people died um, all the time and it's really messed up. But um, luckily, like I'm, I have a community of like people who are pretty much just as desperate as I was um, that all made it out. And, you know, like, we kind of try and honor a lot of our friends by just like living our best life and trying to like, you know, hold it down. Um, not kind of fold under like the pressures of everyday life and the human condition.
1: Yeah. The next question is from Dionton.Lucker. How did you meet Eric Whitney, a.k.a. Ghost So anyone who's not familiar, Carlos works very closely with this artist, this big artist that goes by ghost main, AKA Eric Whitney, who Carlos has actually hired me to do some shoots with him in the past too, which has been really fun to work together. It's like a full circle moment when we've gotten to work together on some projects as adults when, you know, we grew up together as kids and went our own separate ways. And then, yeah. But so how did you meet Eric Whitney?
0: Um, so one of my best friends who actually is in recovery as well, um, what has a really interesting story about how he like went from like merch guy to becoming like DJ and guitarist for uh Ghost's band. Um and there was that one there was there was a point where like Ghost needed a website. And I was like freelance at this point. I don't know what was going on at that moment. And I was like, I can build a website, dude. And we started to kind of talking and um became close after that but that's pretty much how i, w- I met him you know he came over to my house and i was like this is how i think your website should look like
1: <laughs> yeah and then it just went from there now do you guys still work together pretty closely i mean i guess with music stuff tours being canceled and stuff you're not working as yeah much. i mean
0: i worked with him closely on his like last album release um uh but it hasn't happened so much uh as of late um for a couple of different reasons, COVID being one of them, just yeah. not a lot of happening. And okay, can I've, I mention? I've expanded, I've expanded to working with like more musicians since I met Eric and stuff, and like, yeah,
1: cool. Yeah, my uh, my favorite ghost main story, well, that I know of that you did it the one time. I think this is when I first met him when I photo you hired me as a photographer to photograph him is at Lollapalooza. And you were the person who, what's the term? You just like came up with the idea for what he should do during his set. Yeah, I like kind of designed the performance. You a designed the performance. So there was like some crazy things that happened during that set. One of which was you hired a tattoo artist during this live performance to give someone a face tattoo while Ghost Maine was performing on, stage. Yeah, on and it was, stage and it was and it was at on me on main stage at Lollapalooza someone was on stage while he's performing getting a face tattoo of Ghostman. can you expand on this a little yeah. bit because this idea is just
0: yeah. So the idea bizarre. was um I mean the idea was was a lot crazier um to begin with but we were met with like three different insurance policies that said otherwise um yeah how did Lollapalooza but, let this fly <laughs> because like we wanted like we wanted vehicles. We wanted we wanted stuff to happen in like the crowd and stuff like that. But, you know, we did what we could. When we finally got approval to, like, get um, a tattoo artist to come out and an executioner to, like, hold uh, a participant down to a table um, oh, that's in like right. a they performative were strapped, act. They were strapped down, uh, and right? Chain him up yeah. and then tattoo his face on stage. Wild! So it showed on, like, the Megatron and, like, the YouTube video and stuff like that so crazy and then in the in the stands there were these like 25 foot
1: uh people on stilts that were dressed as can you remind me uh what's the term yeah they have like i want to say it's like pandemic creatures because those creatures with a lot i
0: i can't believe i'm spacing on this the the term but all right, well I'll I'll have to link uh link. Plague the doctor, vi- Plague Doctor, Plague okay, Doctor. Plague Doctor. Right, um, right, right. So yeah, we had we had plague doctors walking on stilts and we had like costumes designed by um a production agency that was like really killed it with the costuming and stuff and they were walking through like the crowd and stuff it was great. that was definitely the craziest one of the craziest shows i've ever seen definitely the craziest show i've
1: ever seen during daylight because <laughs> this was all during daylight yeah. um it yeah if anyone day. wants we to did. watch this you could probably just look up youtube ghost main performance while what song was it or particular with the it was the entire show yeah it was the entire show right so yeah definitely definitely worth checking out because that was wild next question is coming in from rebecca flores cuevas Carlos, who is your favorite TV character, and maybe ask him what his one favorite creative campaign for any product was. Favorite least TV character least and is favorite. it like
0: creative campaign that I've done or just like any? It could be a, creative could be campaign either,
1: either one, bro. uh But what's it was? What's your least favorite TV character?
0: What's what's the first? least favorite? Yeah. Um. I Can I? I don't want to skip this question, but I do want to change it. Okay, eh, I'll let you
1: change it. Yeah, you do get two skips in the show, but we'll we'll one of these skips. Bro, this
0: skip, try not this skip. This skip could be a change.
1: We'll count it. As I a think skip.
0: Westworld is a terrible show. Hot um, take. I really hate it. <laughs> like, like it, it. Literally, it's one of like the most like crazy, loathing points for me. Like talking to anyone. So. I would say like any character in Westworld is my least favorite character because it like they killed it with the imagery and like the photography and film and all the marketing for it is like so beautiful. But it's just in my opinion, like it lacks a lot of substance in the story, including character development and character background. Like after season one, we get to a point where just like anything's possible and it's like, they've created this like atmosphere where like nothing makes sense. So they literally don't have to like actually tie anything to a linear narrative. And it really upsets me. (laughs) Yeah. I never, Um, I could never, that's my answer to that.
1: I could never Um, get into that show either. So the worst, the worst season two to any show ever though, true detective compared to season one, season one was incredible. And then season two is just a a flop. Unfortunately, you're right. You're right.
0: It was a flop. Flop is the best way to put it. Yeah.
1: Floppity flop so like a fish.
0: Rescue run with these like, with these shows that like change narrative after one every season. You know. Yeah. And then the second part of Rebecca's question is maybe
1: ask him is one of his favorite campaigns for any. Pro- so what what was your favorite campaign for any product? I'd say you know something lately. I know you've been working on some crazy stuff, specifically with a uh, media arts lab. Uh yeah. I, I don't know what how. how the, with NDAs and everything, how much you could go in depth on it, but feel free to talk about, uh, so yeah, I don't know either, um, (laughs) if I'm being honest, but play it safe.
0: I don't want to, I think that it's really hard for me to say. Um, let me skip. I'll skip that back or I'm going to come back to okay, it. We I can need come, some time to think about it. We can come like, back to it. Let it. Like,
1: yeah. Campaign. Let it marinate yeah. in the back of your brain while we answer these other questions. And this next question is from NJ dot Vargas. Do you draw inspiration from the trials and tribulations relating to being an ex addict?
0: Uh, No, <laughs> not in my current like work. It has no like tie. Yeah. You know, well, I do think that like, there is a way to platform people that come from like less fortunate situations, um, that I don't think anyone has really cr- cracked. Like beyond that, like, I don't think that there's like a really clear tie, but I will say this, everything I learned about like moving through life, um, came from my process of getting sober. Um, because like sobriety is so much about like having a moral compass and like having, having a, an mo rooted in principality um like the basics honesty integrity um service and stuff like that and and then this is the biggest one for me is observation so i was pretty like vocal back in the day like i had a lot of opinions and i thought that like my amateur career as an industrial designer and like freelance artist like gave me the agency to like tell you my opinions when in reality, no one gives a shit about my opinions, truly, unless they're asked for. Um, so being able to learn how to observe um, and like speak when I'll have the most impact, really, 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 really went a long way. Um, and you, then you pair that with just being like a, a well-rounded human um, who is like decent um, or tries to be decent. like wakes up every day and tries to be more decent than the last day. Like those things carry me through my career. Um, truly like how I navigate like a team, how I navigate, like working on set, how I navigate working on a production is all rooted in like the skills and principles that I learned from getting sober. Um, so I think that's the best way to answer that.
1: Another pivot question from cottage life 510. What type of kicks do you love and why? Kicks like shoes? Yeah. Unless you, unless kicks mean something else that I don't know of. Cereal? Oh, <laughs> right. Um, Dude, I I love kicks. That's a, that's an
0: underrated cereal for kicks, sure. like there's, there's like kick drums. Mm, like there's a lot of true, different types of kick drums. Actually. I'm assuming
1: this person means kicks like shoes,
0: but we, okay. you can answer all, all uh, three though. Uh, I like subtle shoes. Um, But like, and then again, my style is like constantly evolving. Um, Right now, like my favorite shoes are just like the classic Rick Owens um, canvas shoes. Uh, I have two pairs because they're pretty iconic. And they're just like, they don't really scream really loudly. Um, And they're just like really, really well made. I do have a lot of shoes though. Like I'm constantly buying shoes and then getting rid of them just because I like to like keep the keep my starting lineup, like constantly fresh. Um, so I look for a couple different things. Like if I'm looking at air maxes, I want to have that because that's an iconic silhouette and I want to be able to pair that with like certain outfits. But like, as far as like my everyday driver, it's like right now it's like Rick Owens. Nice. Yeah. To
1: circle back to, uh, Allen Iverson, I, when, when I was reading that question, the first shoe that came to mind is when you would rock the Iversons, the answers were they called dancers?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I, yeah. I want to get a new pair because they like had that re-release. Mm-hmm. Um, But I don't know if I have. I don't know if I have the style to rock. Like yeah, I don't know. If, yeah, I don't
1: know if they age well, those kind of shoes. Like they're definitely still cool, but like to wear them with like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just to, I would need like a bespoke outfit right. to wear
1: with them. Totally. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Next question is also from Liz Levitch. Do you think you're perceived on. Do you let me rephrase that do you think how you're perceived online aligns with who you are irl
0: uh probably not i'm working on it if i'm being honest like i mean and because your instagram like my values have changed a lot in the last two years okay accelerated by the climate of the pandemic i was forced to be at home by myself i live by myself and you kind of like focus in on like things that are important to you and you like get closer to like things that bring you peace, things that spark joy, things that, I don't know, really matter. So what are, the, um, so what are
1: some but, of these things that you discovered over the last year that uh, by living with yourself, you
0: really realized? Um, I love the internet, but I hate being on it. That's one thing. Like my persona on the internet is a little bit like goth and kind of like remnants from like when I was like more integrated in the music industry and stuff like that but I love being on the internet because like creativity happens on the internet. Sometimes with brands, sometimes without brands, the the internet is in this amorphous thing that's like ever changing and like, will never stop being exciting. So I love it, but I really love being an observer Um, because like I work a lot in the internet field. um, And it's like, it's really hard to be like a front runner or like a, a, a factor on the internet while still remaining, like having that thousand foot view to actually like understand it and be analytical about what's taking place on the internet. And, and for me, like I like understanding it way more than participating, like granted, like it's cool to have like followers. It's cool to get attention. It's cool to like, have like DMS come through and being like, I love your work and stuff like that. And to some extent, like I want to maintain some of that, but like, what's important to me is like, my, my family and like my new baby nephew and like having a consistent lifestyle and interior design and like really cool furniture. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's quite
1: the, uh, very oops. I dropped my slide. Oh, that's, um, that's that's a nice spectrum of different things from
0: materialistic yeah. to actually like real. Yeah. Family. I am going to try and start like, so like during the pandemic, my posting went down pretty hard. Uh-huh. Um, just a lot of things happening um in the world Life's so busy. i just chose to kind of like reel it back but yeah. uh moving forward like uh this next year i'm gonna i have like a couple projects that i'm i'm getting ready to like shoot and like kind of try and craft cool. or just I can personal just like projects establish a new p- kind of presence
1: nice yeah I, when i think of your instagram i think of one of the most recent photos you posted which is like a usb cord going through your eye and out your ear or something or no i think it's just through your eye
0: Going through my nose and out my eyes. That's eye. what it is.
1: Yeah. yeah, cool stuff like that. Yeah, you guys gotta check out Carlos's Instagram. Sliz. Um, also, before we go on to the next question, we're speaking of like internet culture and everything, internet, etc. I'm really I'm very cu- curious your thoughts on this, which is uh, what just happened this past week: Lil Nas X dropping his single "Montero" and his music video, and the shoes as well and how this was all carefully planned and made the song go number one and made it all go very viral. Uh, just re- real quick before we go on to the next question, what's your, what's your thoughts in like 30 seconds on that whole situation that I'm assuming most people listening to this are familiar with.
0: Yeah. um, I'd like to just commend Lil Nas X for just taking a risk that like I'm sure was met with, a lot of different voices telling him otherwise. Um, I follow Lil Nas X on everything, so I kind of like just have, you know, the perspective that I do. But it seems like this was in the in the works for a really long time since he dropped that clip of the song where he's like driving in the car. And I'm I, I wish I knew like how the creative like came about, but I commend him for taking like a huge risk and then staying on top of it as like the drama unfolded. Because yeah, he's there's just no one it. better at better than him he's so good at trolling it's absolute entertainment um period as far as the shoes go like like did mischief really not like vet this with their legal team no i think i think they knew
1: that was going to happen the nike lawsuit they must have expected that come on this the drop why
0: wouldn't you just get like why wouldn't you just get it cleared or like well, you know, well, do something to avoid that.
1: Well, I think that's um, part of the story. More people want to talk about it than if there's a lawsuit. I don't know. Yeah. Who, who actually knows? Anyways, I brought it up because mm. I could, I could, knowing you, I could totally see you like working with an artist and like building this plan to make this song go viral and coming out with the idea for these shoots. Like this is literally an idea I could see you coming up with hundred percent.
0: I don't take that as a compliment. I mean, I didn't, support. but Yeah. Like mischief does really good on like creating these bespoke niche kind of stunts that, that like expand beyond what their purpose is. So definitely cool that they did that. And yeah, Yeah. I think like Lil Nas X is just such a cool story. Like, um, on, from all angles, like born from TikTok and just like, he is like the new American dream as cringe and like Maybe as backwards as that might be for like a younger generation, um, I just love him.
1: I love him too. He's one. Of, he's one of my favorite artists right now. Not only do I love his music, but I love how witty he is on Twitter, and he's so good. and how good he is at marketing his stuff. It's genius the stuff that he yeah. does. Question from Andrew underscore Sawanay: Best piece of advice he's ever been given
0: uh, this came from my, so (laughs) I'm really bad at math, just to let you know. Um, I don't know how I got an industrial design degree, but this came from my eighth grade, no eighth grade senior year math teacher on my last day of high school. It was my very last class. And, um, she told us the secret to to happiness is to set goals and reach them. Um, and that's the best piece of advice I've ever been given.
1: Simple but effective. Yeah. And what's what's a goal that you have? Ooh, I don't know if you guys hear motor motorcycle gang is just driving by in the background. Okay, usually it's more motorcycles. It like- that was only a couple. Uh, so, what is one one piece of advice that? I mean, what is one part of that that you think you you set a goal for yourself and it later became true?
0: Or is it just a general? Um, is it just a general let me see. piece of advice? Uh, Probably to travel a decent amount, like as an adult, Mm -hmm. which, you know, like I obviously want to do more of like everyone does, but I've definitely done a little bit um, of that. And, um, my goals are constantly changing. I will say that much, Like, like I'm constantly like reaching goals and then getting new ones. Um, and yeah, I don't know, like not to be cringy or whatever, but like working on Apple has literally always been a dream of mine. Like as when you start off in, industri- in industrial design, you know, and back, back in the day when, when I was entering like the interests of it, which was like 2000, 2004, 2003 was when I really started my, like, Our wait, like, yeah, 2003, I was like 13. When was when I started like developing art skills and like drawing a lot and like learning about what industrial design is. That was like prime, time for like emerging tech. Yeah. So when the iPhone dropped, it was like a shining example of industrial design at work. Um, and, and, you know, like that, that, that was imprinted in my brain for a long time. So I always wanted to like be involved with Apple. So that's like a major goal that I, definitely and now you're had. here today working for Apple. And so speaking of that, if we
1: could rewind to that last question that you said you wanted to get back to, I mean, mm-hmm. I can think of a couple campaigns you worked on with them just recently. Like for example, the TikTok one, like,
0: can we yeah. can we talk about yeah? That? Which one? So there's a couple of TikTok ones that we went out um, that I helped kind of develop. I mean, which was, is was, which like, is the Make idea, Mini, and then there was uh, AirPods Jump.
1: Yeah, uh, both of which were such a cool idea. So did you? I mean, I'll just let you speak because I don't
0: know. I know Apple's pretty private with what they put out. Yeah, so. yeah, totally. I mean, I'll just say that um, being able to participate on TikTok um, is like super awesome um and like how tiktok is set up for people to like jump in and make their own inter- interpretations of things through like challenges and and the use of hashtags has just been great so um it was amazing to kind of like bring that to the table for 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 apple and kind of being able to capitalize on like i mean last summer um, or last, like when, when the iPhone came out, it was like very exciting. Like we got a brand new iPhone with like a new design. So being able to one, participate in like that effort and then also bring a table that like could live on, t- uh, bring, bring an idea that to the table that could live on TikTok. Um, for that was just like amazing. Yeah. yeah and, and, and I mean, and- I got, we got to work with Zach King. Right. I was about to Kevin say Hicks. you worked
1: with some of the biggest creators yeah. on
0: TikTok. Like Zach King was probably was who awesome. you were most excited about. What a legend. Yeah, it was awesome. It was that that was like a major bucket list moment yeah. for me and I'd say my entire team. What an yeah. incredible artist. I think he
1: has the video on TikTok with the most likes ever or most views ever. I might be wrong, but
0: I think that's Bella Porch, though. Oh, is it Bella Porch now? He might have the most likes, not the most views. Okay, Bella Porch has the Something, most views. Yeah. Or... I think so, with with her like face. Yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so yeah. striking. It's like
1: what is it about? Yeah, it's, just I, you can't really put it into words. It's just you just have to keep what watching. It is.
0: It. I actually don't know how anyone does that. Are they like tr- using the tracking feature yeah, in yeah, After it's, Effects? It's, like, it, I haven't figured it out.
1: It's a filter. <laughs> it's a filter for sure. Not an After Effects. Yeah. You can do it right in TikTok.
0: Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Like working with Zach King was just awesome. Working with Kevin was amazing, and like obviously working with all the creators is just amazing. It's such a, it's so refreshing to be able to like, like direct you know, these artists that I like look up to and already know about and like, you know, f- found organically just from them being popping um, and being able to like collaborate with them is like, it's, it's awesome. Totally. I'm sure, you know, because like, I'm sure you have, you have the experience of like looking up to someone and then them being like, Hey, let's collab. Yeah. Question from Sam
1: Ashton, Carlos, oh, do God. you, <laughs> Carlos, do you miss me?
0: Did he say, do I miss him? He said, Carlos, do you miss me? Question mark. I do miss you, Sam. But luckily, I get to see your semi-shitty takes on the Sixers on Twitter. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> your takes are, for, for the most part, good. I just don't agree with anything you say about Danny Green. Um, yeah, he doesn't like Danny but, Green, I don't think. What? Yeah, I don't think he likes he Danny doesn't? Green, right? I don't. Oh, I don't You like don't. But the last time I saw him tweet, he said, I'm glad Danny, team, Danny Green's on the team or something like that. Yeah, because he almost so, got traded and, and at the I, trade I did, deadline. I'm pretty sure I didn't like that tweet, Sam.
1: Wait, wait, wait um, timeout, timeout, timeout. You don't like Danny Green? No. So what is it What is it about Danny Green? His, I'm, I'm guessing not in him as a person, but his basketball skills.
0: Uh, I don't know. It's definitely an irrational dislike. Okay, well... Because I know, like, statistically, he does okay. And, like, statistically, like he sinks shots that are like clutch, but like for some reason, like whenever I like pay attention to a game and it's like, he has the ball, he misses and it makes me so <laughs> upset. So
1: the thing about Danny green is I was really happy that he stayed on the team. Cause at the trade deadline recently, he almost got traded, but yeah. I don't know if you know this, but he's won two, cha- the last two years he's won a championship with two different teams. Yeah. It's crazy. So he won last year with the Lakers and the year before with the Raptors and now yeah. he's on the Sixers this year. And there's never been a player that has won three championships with three different teams. Maybe it's in a row or oh, really? three different that's teams crazy. at all. So he's that. definitely, I mean, that's why I want to be, he's the good luck charm right now. He could, he could bring the Sixers the championship this year. We want well, that. I Well, you put it that so way. He's, he's the magic guy. Uh,
0: I'm trying to remain like neutral with until Green until he, prove, he earns my respect as if I deserve it. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, Sam, I do miss you. I think I, I hear I kind of keep tabs on you via Twitter and Jeremy and uh, I do miss you. You should come out to L.A. Yeah. So, Sam, anyone listening, uh, me, Carlos
1: and Francis grew up in this one part of the neighborhood and then down the street a little bit, Sam grew up. Who was Sam was my first friend ever. And then you were shortly after that. Yeah. The next questions coming in from Paloma How many tattoos you have?
0: more than i can count <laughs> i i legitimately don't know because there's also like yeah you're covered mold bro. together so like where do you draw the line of one tattoo versus another i mean but, what, what's
1: your most recent one have you
0: been getting tatted over
1: i guess not who's been getting not that many tattoos over yeah COVID-19? plus like
0: as i get older they hurt more really um but my most recent one my is like probably this one
1: Okay. So he I'm gonna I'm gonna describe it for any or can you describe it for anyone who's not watching the video version and listening to the podcast?
0: What's it? uh yeah, so it's uh it's like LA script. Um and it's paired with like some floral arrangement um to kind of make it like look good and f uh, on my forearm. Mm. But I have a lot of like script all over my body. Um at one point in my life I was like really into it and I think it's still pretty unique. Um, and I, I go primarily to, um, this guy named Dean, um, who's here in LA and, and his, his mentor, uh, Vince, who actually passed away semi-recently RIP. Um, but they kind of done the, the heavy lifting on like my entire body.
1: Wow. Even the, uh, the face tat on the side of your face, this, the, uh, I call it a face tat. Oh, it's not a, face okay, tat. Not a head, tat, head tat,
0: head tat. I love that yeah. one.
1: Dean did the head tat. It also looks so good wearing a beanie. How it just kind of peeks out a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's cool. It's versatile because, like, when my hair does grow in, you actually can't see it at all. Right. Yeah. And the next question is also
1: a tattoo question from Aesthetics, my friend Seth. Favorite, oh. favorite, or
0: you know, Seth? We chat. Oh, we chat on Instagram. Oh, I love it. He's moving to LA next week. He's moving to LA. I, you didn't hear it from me, but you can go
1: yell at him. But Wow, yeah, he, he didn't tell me? Wow, I'm going to hit him up after this podcast. I can't believe I'm hearing it live on a podcast. One of my good friends moved to LA. Damn, just yeah. another, lost another, another, one. another one of my friends moving to LA. Why do all my good friends move to LA? This is just like friend number because 10 probably in the last like year. 70, 70 I don't want to get right? into this conversation. We could, we'll could, we just start talking about forever forever. The, the LA versus New York classic conversation that everyone talks about. Uh, oh, New York's better. Come on guys. All right. So his question is favorite or most meaningful tattoo question mark.
0: Uh, my most meaningful tattoo is on my ribs. Um, and the story goes like this. This is the only tattoo that has a story. Cause like, and, and like all these people, they ask me like, what does it mean? Like, it doesn't mean anything. Like a lot of my tattoos, most of my tattoos don't mean anything. They look cool. They say some stuff but you know like i don't i don't think too hard on it but my most meaningful tattoo does mean something um so my father died on december 10th 2013 and um my dad was like a pretty pretty healthy guy um he's like vegetarian for a very long time and like worked out even till his like his uh you know his dying day um and when he passed away we went down to like his regular like route we kind of like walked his route through the house just to kind of see i don't know you know like we were walking around everywhere just kind of like it was like a very somber vibe and um we went up to the treadmill which he used every morning at like 5 in the morning he wow. used to like wake up and and work out and um on the treadmill like for his warm up he would like walk and then he would read And he had like a pen there where he would like underline all this stuff and like add little notes and stuff. And, um, so we went there, we went to the treadmill and we found this book and it was like a book on Buddhism. Uh, and we found, um, the page he was reading and it had the words, nothing lasts and right next to it was a little dash that said 1210 the day he died. So, he basically like wrote that down, a little note to like revisit that like 4 hours before he actually passed away. So I actually have the words nothing lasts uh tattooed across my ribs. Yeah, I just got the chills just
1: hearing that. It's serendipitous. Wow. Um yeah, what when you found that out, what did you like what was your
0: reaction when you put that all together? I don't even know when we found that out, but it was sometime that day. I, a lot of that, that experience is like pretty, it's a blur, you know, like I remember like the important parts, like William Penn highway was like backed up with traffic with everyone trying to get to the like funeral and the wake, which was like meant a lot to me and my family and stuff like that. But like the vibe in the house is like, what do we do? Like (laughs) we weren't expecting this. We had no time for preparation. Like, what do we do yeah um none of us were ready to like i mean my mom you know moved to this country with my dad when she was like very very young like i don't know the exact amount of time but i want to say like circa 40 years together Mm -hmm. um and like all of a sudden you are now a single woman you know with all the kids with all the kids out of the house you and your brothers out of Say that, that again? with you and the, your brothers out of your
1: house live, being adults living yeah, somewhere we were all, in all California, living, yeah all living across know, like, the country she's
0: alone in this house yeah and it's yeah it was just like what what do we do like this is crazy yeah. like our uh, people are flying in from like all over the world and like you know it ended up being like pretty obviously it's like an important moment for my family but like we got a lot closer after that and i think that um, our extended family, like got a lot closer with us too.
1: That's really nice. Um, speaking of tattoos, I want to talk, no one asked this question, but I'm thinking of it now. I want to talk about your first tattoo because from what I remember, you were like the first kid I knew or anyone knew to get a tattoo. Like no one had tattoos like in middle school or high school, it was like beginning in high school or something. Um, we also went to different schools, even though we lived right next to each other. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about this tattoo. It's a, it's like a skull in, in your chest,
0: right? No, I mean, that was my second tattoo. Oh, that was
1: your second tattoo. What was your first tattoo? Yeah,
0: uh, My first tattoo was like an adaptation of the Filipino flag, which is on my like right shoulder. Um, and I got that really, really early. Um, like while I was still in high school and I was like, I thought it was the shit yeah like, how, how old are you I was like the only person in the entire school like i just turned 18. okay um yeah like that that was the only entire only person in the entire school with a tattoo and like right, I, I just went remember to private school being like this is this is it this is i want to be like the center of attention for yeah. being like the bad kid <laughs> like um and i think alan iverson had a very similar like he had some kind of son um on his shoulder or like yep. circular form and I, I thought I was like him, um, basically, but my second tattoo was a large skull in the very center of my chest. Which was shortly after, <laughs> right? Shortly after, like as soon as I got to college. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like I didn't wait. Question from
1: Ferdinand wait, Feder code enunzio. What's the best advice you can give for overcoming substance addiction?
0: um it's probably like an unpopular opinion but like do aa like alcoholics anonymous do the 12 steps because ultimately like i had help from like these institutions and sober livings but like everything that is taught and like you know facilitated there all roots back in the 12-step program and that's ultimately what saved my life um 12-step program is like a system to like understand the problem um internally and externally deal with the problem internally deal with the problem externally and then you learn how to like sustain sobriety there is like a spiritual element to it that a lot of people get hung hung up on but like for me i i would be i would be doing a disservice if i told anyone that the best way to get sober was any other way because AA has worked for millions of people and continues to work for millions of people and me included yeah cool
1: going on to the next question it's from stacy underscore xoxo how did you make it through the pandemic in terms of your substance abuse history like what i guess oh. yeah was it was it harder because of the pandemic living alone like doing
0: or what did, was it easier or was it about the same uh, it I was about the same like there's a there's something they teach in like the program where it's like uh, they call it like the obsession, um, and at some point in like my first year of getting sober, like the you lose the obsession to drink and use, um, so that was gone, you know, uh, already, and yeah, I mean, I'm very blessed. Like, so like my pandemic has been like extremely easy. Like, I'm an employed. I live by myself, so I don't have to deal with anyone else's bullshit. (laughs) Um, I like where I live. I actually moved from that place, but I liked where I lived. And like, luckily, like there are video games now. So, you know, there's not a shortage of things to engage with. Um, So, yeah, it was not hard at all. And I mean, obviously, the pandemic is hard. I spent the first four months completely by myself. Yeah. um, Because I was like very, very scared. Um, but I've had a pretty easy, like pandemic experience and like at no point really did I like consider like relapsing or anything like that. Um, I think I like, I placed a lot of emphasis on like staying connected to my community and like constantly sanity checking myself and with my friends and my, like my other sober community members. Um, so I've remained pretty fulfilled and like spiritually fit. Um, and that's what it takes. It's maintenance, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of being scared those first four months, it was today, right? That you actually right before this podcast, you got vaccinated.
0: I got vaccinated today right before this podcast.
1: Wow. Yeah. Originally I know we were texting and I was like, are you free on Tuesday to do this? And you're like, Oh wait, can we do another day? Cause I'm getting vaccinated that day. But I guess you just got it bumped
0: earlier in the day. Yeah. I, I had an appointment scheduled for like a certain time that conflicted with this yeah. and then i realized that like it's just easier to get a vaccine so i like went on cvs.com and i just scheduled another appointment Incredible. Super how, easy. how do
1: you feel after getting the shot like what's your are you, are you feeling still are you feeling normal right now or do you feel sick or tired at all or
0: nope no i feel completely normal okay how about how um, about mentally somewhat relieved that i can like start the process of being vaccinated because like I really want to hug my mom who's older. So I haven't been, I really want to like hold my baby nephew. Yeah. Um, who's a baby. So I haven't been, um, we've been like pretty safe, like on the family side of it. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to like, just like embracing my
1: family. I'm excited for you guys. Yeah. And I'm also so excited that your mom is out living in LA now because you and your brothers and family all live in LA now. And your mom yeah. was in Pennsylvania where we're from and she did the move out to LA and, now everyone's like together. Well, it's as together as you can be in COVID, but yeah. So
0: in the same city, I, I, it would have been really difficult if my mom was still on the East coast while we were all out here. Absolutely. Unless you had a
1: private jet, it would be easier. But until then. Yeah. But then you'd have to
0: pay for gas and yeah, it's like, it's bad for the
1: environment. Yeah. It's expensive. question from J M or J Margoni. What resources?
0: Okay. Pretty sure I went to high school with him.
1: Oh yeah, cool. Well. Oh no, I, no, no, no. I don't. I, I, I do know who he is. Jay Margoni. Is, so. Okay, cool. What resources do you recommend for learning traditional
0: art? Traditional art? Yeah. Um, do you have a traditional
1: art background?
0: Yeah, I do have a traditional art background. I was classically trained by this brilliant, brilliant artist named Myron Barnstone, who taught me out of a cigar factory um, every day after school how to draw and how to paint. Um, he actually has like a set um, of lessons that you can actually buy. Um, he also passed away. He, he was pretty old, um, rest in peace, but I would recommend that. And I would recommend YouTube. Um, YouTube is just the ultimate resource Absolutely. of our generation. And and you can learn anything. You really can. Yeah. Also like their services like Udemy and like other other like platforms that like teach master classes in like a very concise way where you can pause and play and like revisit. Yeah. Um, so I really recommend like those services because they've helped me a lot too.
1: Yeah. Whether it's YouTube, Masterclass, Skillshare, there's so many resources out there that yeah. don't have to be college, but could be. That's a whole nother conversation as well. <laughs> whether to go. 100%. Yeah. Okay. So we're in the final stretch now. I think we got five questions left. And this next question is coming in hot from Joshua A granite do you feel like the divisive nature of cryptocurrency slash nfts is warranted why or why not can you repeat the question yeah do you feel like the divisive nature of cryptocurrency and nfts is warranted
0: why or why not i need like a definition check on divisive in this context what does that mean yeah i guess uh
1: mm, how there's like the best way I could describe it right now is how there's like two strong opinions on either side. Oh, okay. is how I'd think of it.
0: So basically the, is the, is the question asking me what I think so let, of let me, crypto and why there, why it's so two sided. Yeah. Let me, let me rephrase it for you in my words. Okay. Um
1: Is yeah. Is the nature of cryptocurrency and NFTs and i was about to say how divisive yeah you you get the question
0: i get the question um, <laughs> i think there's a lot going on with cryptocurrency and um i think there's a lot going on with nfts in, in particular and i think you can like you can like boil it down to like some simple human truths is that like people don't like to be excluded um and i think that happens in all markets you know like think of any business you know, say they're they're doing good, they're they're maintaining. Someone else comes up and opens shop and does something slightly different and makes more money than them. The the first guy is going to get upset, no matter what. You know, um, I think like we're not at the point where like the the mass majority of like people in society are involved with cryptocurrency, let alone NFTs. Could it go there? Hundred percent. You know hundred percent could it's probably raising every day, like awareness and like involvement in it. Um, but yeah, I think like markets tend to exclude people and people tend to get offended when they're excluded. Yeah. Um, and like the other thing with like NFTs is like, no one's cracked the code on like what makes a good NFT. I don't know if we're at the point yet yet where like true value in an NFT has been like soundly established. Um, literally like, some of the most amazing artists I know that I respect deeply put out an NFT and make minimal money while there's other people that I don't respect. And and that's just my opinion. You know, they make art as art um, and they kill it. Um, And, and, you know, I don't think that's any anyone's fault. I think there's some fault to be had for other things in the NFT uh, industry, but I don't think we've established like what makes an NFT good or more valuable than another NFT. Um, at this point, we're still in the beginning. Um, and maybe that'll like rattle out and we'll find out what, what that is, but we're not there yet. But I would say to answer that question is like, yeah, I think like people don't like feeling, they don't like FOMO.
1: Totally. Um, Yeah. There's definitely a lot of FOMO. I mean, I feel some FOMO that I'm not super involved right now. Um, I but always I always feel FOMO yeah. about like <laughs> I, constantly consistently yeah, throughout so, every day. Yeah. About M- I'm so happy for all these people that are crushing it and making like generational wealth right now. It's
0: pretty cool to see. That's the thing I think is I disagree with you on there. Cause I don't think anyone's making generate generational wealth, generational wealth at this point in society is like, 50 million dollars fair
1: fair i was going yeah i mean they're making i i have i know some people that are making a lot of money that's it's changing it's it's changing their lives i'm super
0: happy it's changing their lives like when you look at someone like people right and like that's generation like i am not the arbiter of information on crypto or nfts i'm just simply an artist that works in art um but that's a test case that like is not this the norm you know for a lot of people
1: Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We can't relate a lot of situations to that for sure. It's definitely a, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, do we want to talk about anything more about NFTs before working going on in the next question? You've been dipping your toes
0: in it a little bit, right? I mean, yeah, not to like out myself, but like I've been, I've been involved with NFTs since last year. Um, whether it be research or kind of like putting my toes out there, my fingers out there and trying to get involved. But like the place that I found the most peace in is like not being involved. Um, At least in the like major discussions, like a lot of people want to make NFTs and a lot of people want to like shoot their shot. I'm willing to help people shoot their shot, but I'm not willing to put out an NFT under my own name. Right. Why? Because there's too much controversy right now. Too many people I respect have not established their own like opinions about it. I think there is like a tendency for people to like really get upset. Um, And whether they're justified in getting upset or not, I don't want to upset anyone. Um, And that might be on me, but I also think it's just good foresight. Like if you're on Twitter, you know, there's people who are qualified in any cre- in creative industry, saying that this is bad. Um, now, their reasons might be bullshit. But as someone who works at a high level in the creative industry, I don't want to upset anyone. I always want to like leave opportunities and doors open for myself yeah. going down the road. I don't want to. I-, I think it's too it's- dicey right now to, for me to like put something out there and then have you know I don't know my boss in like ten years find out that I did it. And then be like, yeah, we don't want to give you a job because 10 years ago you put out an NFT of like some butt cheeks and sold it for like $50,000.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'd hire you if you did that. That sounds kind of cool.
0: Like, well, yeah. And then there's the other side of yeah. that, you know, I'm, I don't know, dude, I'm so, I'm a, like strategic, like bordering on manipulative. Um, so like, I'm going to, I've, I got my W and I will continue to get my W while maintaining safety yeah. and protection. I respect that. For my, in career and um you know just trajectory in general yeah
1: i respect that question from lucy mauer what do you like about working at mal aka media arts lab
0: i love working at mal because i work with like the best creative strategic and like i don't know like human minds i've ever encountered like working in an agency setting is not as simple as like, I'm creative. I am a strategy person. I am like good at managing relationships or anything like that. Like it is an entire dance and chore- choreography. And like, it, I really enjoy it. Um, like I really enjoy doing that dance, you know, obviously there's the execution side of stuff where we're like, you have to deliver for me. It's like, I have to creatively deliver and creatively execute which of course is like my core passion. Like I love making beautiful things. I love doing that, but like I love working at media arts lab because I enjoy the people I work with and they're the best at what they do. So I learn so much from them and I love like navigating the waters of like solving problems within that setting. Nice. Another question from aesthetics,
1: AKA our friend who's moving to LA. How does Carlos know creation? <laughs>
0: That's so funny. I just saw her this morning. She actually gave me this webcam.
1: Oh, really? She was
0: the, she was, yeah. she was your friend who gave you the webcam. Nice. Um, I met Cray bowling. Oh. Um, so one of like my, me and my friend's favorite things to do is go bowling. Um, we usually like to go in like Koreatown cause it's like fun. We can be just like outrageous and stuff. And like, they serve they serve alcohol there if you want to drink but you don't have to drink to do it and right. have fun um and we all suck you know um so it's like it's really fun to do but that's how i met do you use bumpers? and then um one of my best friends shane um actually ended up dating her um so shane and and I her name is natasha are like two of my closest friends um And, and yeah, we just took a trip to big bear recently. Um, and that was really fun, but yeah, I consider them family, but that's how I met Krayshon. I met her through bowling. That's amazing. (laughs) Uh, yeah.
1: Anyone who's not familiar with Krayshawn, she, how would you describe her as, is she an artist or specifically music artist? She does a lot of stuff. She is a
0: music. She, yeah, she's a lot. She does a lot of things. And, um, but she kind of like rose to fame in, uh, the early 2000, I don't even know in 2009, 10, okay. no, that's too, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, through music, um, she's a rapper and now she's like, she still raps. She's a DJ. She's a gamer. She streams. Um, she's a mom, um, to a great kid. Um, and yeah, she's, um, she's a good friend. Cool. And this question's from Ria Sooth.
1: Ria Sooth. Did you try to get sober multiple times before it stuck? If so, what made it stick?
0: So Yeah, so definitely yes. I think I mentioned I tried like officially 14 times um, or 13 times and then one successful time so far. Um, What made it stick was like a willingness to look at myself in a different light, which is like more uh centered in truth um and i i'll say this like i was not i was not chill you know i and i wasn't cool i thought very very highly of myself like ego is like a very clear characteristic of someone who's like stuck in addiction um so just being in the environment and having the willingness and desperation to kind of like you know examine that ego Um, and just be like, well, that, that is false. Like, I'm not like a successful designer, industrial designer, artist, you know, I'm like addicted to drugs and I like have nothing, you know? So being able to tell myself that very bluntly, I mean, like, you're not cool, dude. And you're not smart. You're not special. You are literally, you have nothing like that kind of negative self-talk really helped me. Um, because it was like centered in truth. I think there's like some people who require positive self-talk, but for me, like I needed to be hit with like a little bit of like uh, a kick to the nuts with reality. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's yeah. It's interesting to hear that. Cause you, you'd think like you want to talk to yourself positively, but it actually helped you to talk to yourself negatively.
0: Yeah. I I talk to myself positively all the time while I was getting high. I'm like, I'm so good at this. Right. I'm going to be fine. You know, like I'll figure it out. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like I, I can do it. You know, I can make it from here to here and I can survive and stuff like that. Right. But, but I really need to be to- needed to be told which was definitely told to me in these exact words was that I was a pussy ass bitch. <laughs> um uh shout out Chris who I'm going to see for dinner after this. Nice. Um he told me that and I was like, "What do you mean?" And he was like, "Well, Everything you try to do, you like basically give up in like two seconds. You sell out on your family or like the promises you make to your loved ones. You're completely untrustworthy. You're completely unreliable. And you think like you're the shit and you don't have anything. Um, So that was his like kind of rapper for you're a pussy ass bitch. And I took it and I held it and I heard it. You know, I really heard it. And you know, where I netted out with that was like, I didn't want to be a bitch anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But not, today, it makes sense. You uh, explaining that through.
1: And today you talk to yourself positively. I'm assuming.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, dude, I, I like, I don't have, I work really hard at like having minimal things to talk negatively to myself about. Yeah. Um, but It's definitely a habit, you know, like I like to, I like to check myself um, and I like to get checked by other people. Just like, you know, am I being an asshole? I mean, how checks?
1: (laughs) Let me check in on you right now. How are you doing today? How's your like mental health today?
0: Oh, today. I think I'm really good, dude. Uh, I got vaccinated, called my mom. Um, I took some time off work, so I don't actually have to do anything for a really long time after this. Um, I did some creative stuff. I'm going to try and like execute this week just for myself. And, um, what else? Like my, I got to see my little baby nephew over this weekend and it was like, awesome. Um, and I like taking like slow-mo videos of him. Um, <laughs> iPhone. and I just ordered a new tripod. So I'm, I could say like, I'm doing pretty good.
1: Cool. That's awesome to hear. And. On to the last question of this interview. We're just flat. this just this just flew by. We've been talking for like over an hour now. <laughs> last, yeah, I did fly by. Last question is coming in from A.R. Tompkins. If you could go back okay. if you you know who that is? No. Oh, okay.
0: Sorry if I do and I don't remember. Oh, that's cool. I don't yeah, think so. yeah,
1: it's cool. So question from AR Tompkins. If you could go back in time and tell yourself something, what would it be?
0: Uh I would tell myself, "Ooh, that's so hard." Yeah, it's, it's hard to. What would you say? I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass this back to you. While I formulate my okay, answer. Okay, what would I say to myself? Yeah, I
1: mean, first thing that come to mind is buy, spend five hundred dollars and buy Bitcoin right when it became a thing. Yeah. I mean, God, you, you, you've drank the
0: Kool-Aid. <laughs> I I have to, honestly. I mean, I, I mean, have. that's
1: the first thing that comes to mind. I mean, that's that's surface level. Like, yeah, it'd be cool to make a lot of money. But, um, first
0: thing I would tell myself, my, my instinct was preventative. I was like, where have I fucked up so bad that I wish I couldn't, I could like change. Yeah. I
1: mean, I would say, okay. So the thing that comes to mind for me, what would I tell myself is just don't, be, don't be a baby don't be scared like i there are so many moments like in beginning of high school or even earlier where i was just like scared to do things because i didn't feel worthy i didn't feel like i deserved certain things like for example i loved soccer and basketball and other sports and i would yeah. never try it out for any of the teams um at school because i just thought i wasn't I, it wasn't I wasn't worth it. I was never, not only was I going to make the team, but I was going to get made fun of for even like showing up at tryouts, which looking back is so silly. Um, so it wasn't until junior year when I tried out for the soccer team, which yeah, yeah I regret, but, uh, activities in general, I didn't know like today I have so many interests and I want to do so many things and yeah. I, there's not enough time for any of it. And back at the beginning of high school and even before high school and middle school, You know, like these programs, like I'm I'm sure you're familiar with like Madagassi and Nature Quest and like Mm -hmm. just extracurricular activities after school, whether it was even chess club or anything like that. I never did any of that stuff because I don't know. There was just like a, for me, there might've been a stigma to it slash, uh, I just wanted, yeah, I didn't do any, I didn't take advantage of any of those things and kind of sad about it. I got really lucky that I found photography really early because Besides photography, you know, my, I didn't, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't that, I didn't have that many interests. I had no idea what was I was going to do if it wasn't photography.
0: So. I mean, you had interests. You had more interests than a lot of people I know. Like, cause I, I, I mentor a lot of, a lot of people. And I will just say like, sometimes the state of the youth is like really, really scary. Um, there's a lot of people who really, really have no interests. Someone recently told me that they love... I like asked them like what their dreams were and they were like i really like my job and i really like living in culver city and i was like so upset by that um because it was like like really dude like you don't want a like cooler job you don't want to go like study something in paris you don't want to like go to like india you don't want to go like southeast asia and like backpack and live in hostels or something yeah. like um so i think you had interest man i mean now I guess, now i do I not, not as much feeling of, like, pressure to the point where you just don't want to participate let me rephrase that i think i had
1: interests, but i was so scared to pursue any of them like i didn't do any of them until i got like pushed to do it yeah which not even a light push i had to get like really pushed to do it and that's when i yeah so what is so anyway i just went into my answer
0: sorry i totally passed the ball so i could think of something yeah so that's Um, why i was answering it so yeah so i mean my answer is my As far as like the turbulent areas of my life that caused me much pain, um, I would not have anything different because.
1: No regrets. The reality
0: is, dude, I lived a fucking crazy life. Like I got stories for days that will blow your mind. Wild shit. Yeah. You know, and I like, I love having those. I, I think it makes me more, uh, a more well-rounded person with like deep experience into like, Things that make humans tick, you know, on a primordial level: insecurity, selfishness, and stuff. Like I've seen it in action where it matters the most, like life and death. Um, And I think that makes me like full, just like having had those experiences. Because you know, if if I didn't, I think it would always be lingering. Like, not to get like kind of graphic. I guess this isn't that graphic, but if I had never done heroin, I would always be like, I wonder what doing heroin's like now. I don't ever have to wonder that. (laughs) Um, so I won't like say anything like that, but I will say two things. One on the more lighter note, I would urge myself to spend more time working in 3d modeling. So I I know how to 3d model. I, I do it semi often. Um, but there was a point where, really when I went freelance, like my priorities shifted towards like fast tracking myself in a position of like uh, leadership and like being more focused on like creative concept um, and like like developing the muscles of like the story and narrative of like a campaign or a product or a product story or something like that. And I like lightened up on like the executional 3d stuff. Um, Obviously like, it's made a rise with NFTs. Now people who are doing 3d are infinitely, uh, positioned to succeed, um, right now. Um, and while I can still do that stuff, I wish I knew 3d, like it was like a second language. Now I do know like Photoshop and illustrator, like even like after effects to some degree, but not as much like a second language, but I really wish I like focused and stayed on, um, with 3d, um, but when I went to college, they taught us like these programs and industrial design in industrial design, some of the programs, like they changed, like the standard in the industry changed. Um, uh, so I was just like, there's no way I'm going to be able to keep up with all these, like changing softwares, you know, maybe I should just focus on like becoming more like of a director, you know? And I think you should also know that like my brother is a creative director so like I always looked up to him and we'll kind of wanted to like semi-follow in his footsteps. Yeah. Um. So that's the first part, and then the second part. If I could, what was the question? It was like tell
1: myself to do something. Yeah. I mean, I, the question was if you could go back in time and tell yourself something, what would it be?
0: Oh, if you could tell just, myself yeah, just something. Tell yourself something. Um. Well, I, my answer's still the same. Um, I would go back in time and tell myself to spend more time with my father. Um, because my dad, just so everyone knows, like my dad was really old when he had me. Um, so by the time, like I was 10 years old, my father was like pretty much old enough to be my grandfather. In fact, like everyone pretty much thought he was my grandfather if you weren't like close to me. Um, so our relationship didn't really level out until like I left home actually, you know, 18 and stuff. Um, So yeah, if I could tell myself to do anything, I'd be like, probably slap myself and be like, yo, get over it. Like you only have one dad and like your dad gave you everything, like not just like things and like helping me go to school. And like, he gave me like intrinsic, like infrastructure in my brain that like makes me operate the way I do now. And like i just i would give anything to have like an hour with him to like just tell him i love him and just like hang out with him but even just like ask him more questions and stuff so if i could go back and tell my t- myself anything i would be like i would tell myself to spend more time with my dad i
1: love that damn well damn. dude carlos sent <laughs> yeah Well, Carlos, love you, brother. Thank you so much for uh, hopping on this podcast and being so candid and open and telling your story and not only sharing it with me, but sharing it with everyone who's listening. I hope people, I I like to think people can, uh, some people will be able to get a lot of things out of what you're saying and will be helpful to them and helpful to their friends, et cetera. And yeah, just really appreciate you coming on
0: here and sharing your story. Yep. Thanks for having me. And, um, yeah, I'll look forward to like seeing where you take this whole endeavor with this podcast and seeing you out in LA soon. When I try and convince you that warmer is better. Yeah. I don't know about that, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll never convince you because I know you're just stuck to it. I'm a native and, East Coaster. You know what? That's fair. You know, I think you might be right to some degree, but I will also say that there's something to be said for weather. And yeah. hey I get it I get it it's it. it's better for a lot of people, but I know what's best
1: for me is new york slash just on the east coast and yeah, yeah, so Carlos, where can people find you online?
0: um you can find me on instagram at s l i i z z z um you can find me on twitter at slizzy mcguire. With three Z's. (laughs) You can find me on TikTok at Slizzy McGuire with three Z's. And I mean, if you really want to find me on LinkedIn, you can. But um, that's about it. Yeah. Thanks
1: everyone for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Ask Not Me Anything podcast. Be sure to check out the other episodes if you haven't listened to them yet and tune in next Wednesday for the next episode. Thanks so much for listening. Peace. Since this is a new show, we want to use this space to shout out local businesses instead of doing traditional ads. So today I want to introduce you to Smells Like, which is a Brooklyn-based candle studio born in quarantine to invoke nostalgia for your time and space through curated scents. My personal favorite is Justice and Peace, made with lavender, sage, and other floral notes. And the best part is 50% of all proceeds go to the national bailout. You can find all their products at smellslikebk.com and use my code NOTME at checkout to save 20%.
0: A Shishkin Productions Podcast.